Welcome to the Friday edition of Unexpected Points. We're going to go over all the football greatness of Turkey Day. And then I also have some best bets for the weekend. Nothing else more to talk about. So let's go ahead and get into it. Hello, hello, everybody. I'm doing this early, early. Friday morning. Hopefully it gets out to you in time today. I'm not sure how many of you degenerates out there are going to be listening slash watching this and avoiding the family on Thanksgiving weekend, but I appreciate that if you are. Yeah, I got I to gotta pop out of here for some family obligations, which goes back to my point for any of you uh, younger guys and gals, uh, the two gals who may be listening to this, uh, younger guys and gals out there who do not have not ventured into the realm of childness. I don't think childness is a word, but uh, anyway, having children is make sure, unless you're uh, a super ambitious person, that you accomplish what you want to accomplish, maybe before getting to the having children stage. Because let me tell you, if you don't have a lot of ambition like yours truly, it can, you know, when, it, when your life's not fully your own, it can, it can definitely make it easy to say, I'll just skip doing that and uh, glide along here in life. Anyway, let's get, now that I've put a nice little damper on the podcast, uh, let me just hit one thing before we get into everything. Still running Cyber uh, 40, so Cyber 40, uh, 40% off everything right now at PFF, so go ahead and hit that up. I don't think there is a better um, discount available from PFF during any part of the season. So any subscription, 40% off, Cyber 40, go ahead and do it. All right, let's talk the games from Thursday on Thanksgiving. Hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving, first off. Um, so the early game here, I'm going to do my normal thing of line, actual score, adjusted score that I put together, which is based upon success rates more than the actual results, although it definitely brings those plays, those more outlier plays into the into the results too. It downweights penalties. It makes adjustments based upon turnover-worthy plays, which did or did not become interceptions. It puts things like drops, gives you maybe more credit if there are more drops in a game, all, all that sort of stuff. So for the first game of the day, the Chicago Bears at the Detroit Lions, Chicago closes a three-point favorite. I seem that I thought that was a little bit light, three. Um, but if it was like if it was two and a half, I think it would have been very, 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 very bettable for Chicago, but it was not. And those who bet, I guess even if it would have been two and a half, but those who bet at three for sure were disappointed because the Bears won by two points, 16-14 on a last-second field goal. And it's interesting that my adjusted score actually has Detroit as being a couple points better. And I'm trying to figure out why that would be the case, because I think optically, if you watch the game, the Bears look like the better team minus some big plays that happened there. So let me just go through my normal shtick here. The headline in this game is No One Cares. Uh, my alternative headline is, you know, let's give Dalton a little bit of respect. I made a joke during the game about how Bears fans are almost upset at the fact that Dalton looked good because of any talk of, oh, you know, how well would the Bears have done this season if Dalton was starting instead of Fields starting the, I don't know, eight games that Fields has started so far this year? What would their record have been? Should they have been starting Dalton the entire time? Should they start Dalton going forward? Most Bears fans that I know, at least, maybe there are some out there who were really 
you know, craving some more Andy Dalton in their lives. But most Bears fans that I know don't want any of this talk, and we're very upset about it. And I feel bad for Andy Dalton in a way because of this, because it's not his fault that everyone is predisposed to dislike his performances, downplay his performances, and think poorly of his performances. But that's the case. So I'm going to put some of that into context here. So I think the number of the game for me is a one that helps figure out, number one, why the adjusted score I have here is leaning towards Detroit, and number two, why Dalton's performance was as good as it was against a poor defense. And the number of the game here is negative 0.4. Not the most interesting number, but it was the expected points added per designed run for the Bears. This is a team that's been a fairly good running team this season, yet that is an awful, awful number. That is actually a fourth percentile number. If you look at game games for the last few years, where would it fall in? Yeah, it, it's going to fall into that, you know, the, the bottom 5% of all game outcomes, how poor this was for the Bears. They had a 20% success rate, which again is like a fifth percentile type of number. 20% success rate running the ball. And again, success rate is defined by whether or not you have positive expected points on any given play. Um, so that puts into performance, it puts into perspective, number one, why the Bears total offense had bad success rate numbers, which brings down their adjusted score. And number two, why Dalton was kind of carrying this team. And you could look at 16 points for the Bears and say it was a bad offensive performance, but the reality is he was getting no help on the ground, and they were still running it a healthy amount. They were still running it over expectation in this game, not like they were doing with Fields where they were running it way over expectation, but it was over expectation, what you would have expected from an average NFL team in their circumstance in this game. So Dalton had a 75th percentile with his passing efficiency, so he, you know he played well. And I'm, I'm, you know, the jokes are, you know, you know, Nagy finally lets the good plays out when Dalton plays. I do think there is something to the fact that the type of game that Nagy's running with a lot of the quicker passes does fall better with Dalton's skill set. But, you know, numbers were good. 24 of 39, 317 yards, 8.1 yards per attempt. Uh, one touchdown, and then he had the interception. That interception was very, very close to being another touchdown. Maybe it wasn't the best throw by Dalton, but I don't think it was a bad throw. I think it was a great play by the cornerback on that one. So again, to put in perspective, and I know Bears fans, Bears fans who don't want to see Andy Dalton this year, you know, plug plug up the old ears right now. Stick them in. Stick stick the fingers in because um, you're not going to want to hear this. So there have been 13 quarterback performances this season by the Bears where the quarterback had at least 15 plays. Uh, the reason is 13 and not 12, the number of games played, is because uh, Fields and Dalton split the Cincinnati Bengals game. So uh, four of them were Dalton performances, nine of them are Fields performances. And if you look at this and you rank them by EPA per play, my preferred advanced metric for uh, quarterback play for comparison, for comparing quarterbacks, if you rank those, the top three performances in EPA per play are Andy Dalton. So three out of Andy Dalton's four performances this season were the top three performances for were better than any Justin Fields performance. And then the other performance from Andy Dalton was that awful game he had against the Rams week one that everyone seemed to have watched. Um, but that was still better than four different Justin Fields performances. Even that Rams game where, Field, where 
uh, Dalton looked awful, was still better EPA per play than four different games that Fields has had this season. Uh, so that keeps it all in perspective that, you know, Dalton has been better. They probably would have won more games. They probably will win, win more games the rest of the season going forward. But what are they really trying to accomplish this season? Are they really trying to accomplish going to the playoffs, uh, which is probably pretty unlikely at this point? Um, or are they trying to accomplish getting Justin Fields ready to play going forward? So I do think there could, there should be, there could be some consideration on maybe stretching this out a little bit to make sure Justin Fields is... Uh, healthy, and I do think there can be also an advantage of a rookie quarterback going in, starting, seeing all that goes into being an NFL starter, and then having a chance to step back and think about it and process some things and think about things differently when they're doing preparation when they're not starting, as Fields is doing these couple of weeks, and maybe even learn how to protect himself a little bit better going forward and, and how to work that scheme going forward. So if they hold him out for another week, I don't think it'd be the worst thing there, but I would like to see more Justin Fields for the rest of the season. And one other thing I want to talk about in this game, just to bring out an interesting point here, uh, you know, Darnell Mooney is emerging. 5-4-123 in this game was a great deep threat. Probably would be better with um, Dalton going forward, although he has been targeted fairly heavily by Fields. Really emerged as maybe even the number one guy there. I mean, I know he has been the number one guy over Allen Robinson this season. It'd probably be a little premature to just discount all we've seen from Robinson in the past and then say he's the number one guy. But he's performing on that sort of level right now. And I think he's an interesting name to think about going forward because this is a pretty bad passing attack and he's having a solid, solid season this year. Okay, game number two from Turkey Day. The Las Vegas Raiders go and visit the Dallas Cowboys the Cowboys were a seven and a half point favorite, which was a big one. Uh, my numbers lean towards the Raiders on this one, but we didn't really know offensively what the Raiders are going to be able to do. They had they looked really really bad since Henry Ruggs was gone, but this this game they turned things around, or at least they turned things around and being able to draw defensive pass interference calls. Um, so they win 36-33 in overtime. My numbers had it Dallas by three points, thirty one to twenty eight. Um, but clearly that would not have been enough to cover the seven and a half number, no matter what. So the headline in this game is Cowboys in trouble, question mark. And my alternative headline is Cowboys caught the bad side of variance in a, a good performance. I mean, this was a good performance by Dak, which I think was important to see because the performance last week against Kansas City was bad without without C.D. Lamb for the second half of the game, without Amari Cooper, the, the, they just look bad. Maybe this is a Tyron Smith thing. Maybe Tyron Smith really is the skeleton key here on being able to figure out everything for this Cowboys offense because they, they looked a lot better this, this game. Uh, another alternative headline maybe could be Tony Pollard is the man, you know, Zeke is, is dust. I remember there was a headline, a Roto-World headline, which... I, I retweeted it first, but then I took it back because I felt bad for Zeke a little bit on here because the Roto World headline, when it was talking about Zeke's performance, it says, falls forward for one touchdown in 13 lifeless touches. Um, that's kind of what happened uh, for, for him in this game. So the number of the game here is 12. And that is the total expected points gained by the Raiders via defensive pass interference in this game. That is a big, big number. Let's remember, you know, a... 
70-yard touchdown pass is going to net you maybe six expected points. This is about twice as valuable as two huge plays like that were gained just off of the pass interference calls. The pass interference were huge. I think most of them were pretty decent. I know people complained a ton about the penalties in this game. It's probably more of the holding calls, which really held down the running game for both of this and the value that you were getting out of the running game for a lot of these teams today, period. The success rate and the, uh, that you were getting and the, the values you were getting out of this was probably held down a ton by the holding calls in these in these ones. But, hey, you know, it is what it is. And I guess if they want to emphasize it, they're going to emphasize it. Every single team today had negative EPA uh, running the ball. Some of them were extreme, like the Saints, how how bad it was, like the Bears, how bad it was. But it was pretty bad almost for everyone. The Raiders were really bad, too, as far as their success rate. And even the Bills were pretty bad, which we'll talk about a little bit later. So Deshaun Jackson, big game. Can he fill that need, what they need from Henry Ruggs? Can he stay healthy? I think that's key because they really had missed that. He obviously had you know the 100 yards on on some some catches, a big touchdown, a big DPI drawn. Just a really really huge game for him right here. And I think the, one of the more interesting things to talk about here because this is an analytics podcast is to talk about some of the fourth down decisions because. I see some reactions, and I think there may be some misunderstandings on what's going on here. So first is I want to go all the way to the end of regulation and a decision that was made, which ended up paying off for the Raiders, but it was the wrong decision, I believe, strongly believe, highly confident that it was the wrong decision, right results. And that is the decision to go ahead and kick the 56-yard field goal from Daniel Carlson. There was 1 minute and 56 seconds left in the fourth quarter when they did that. They were at the Dallas 38-yard line, and it was fourth and three. So why is this the wrong decision? Well, your success rate of making it if you go for it on that fourth and three is roughly the same roughly the same as your success potential to make the field goal. It's probably a little bit better. Than your, than your potential to make that field goal. So that's first. So if you think about it through that perspective, let's think about the, the, the so if you make the field goal in this situation, your most likely outcome, you have, a, you have a small chance of winning the game in regulation. You have a very, very big chance of going to overtime, which then, because you're giving the almost two minutes to Dallas and you're allowing them to play all four downs, right? They're not gonna, they're not gonna punt the ball. You give them all four downs. So your most likely thing is to go to overtime, but you also give yourself a small sliver of winning in regulation. But not that much of a chance of winning in regulation. And then if you miss the kick, you are almost certainly going to lose this game. Pretty high chance you're going to lose the game unless you get a three and out. So then you flip towards going for it. So going for it, if you... If you get the first down here, which again is about the same as making the kick. Now, instead of when you make the kick, when you, if you make the kick, you have a small sliver of winning the game. You have a big sliver of going to overtime. This this time, if you get the first down, you can run down the clock. So then it becomes a big sliver of winning the game in regulation because you run down the clock all the way and you have a pretty more makeable field goal. And then you have a smaller sliver of going to overtime because there will likely be no time left when you kick if you miss the field goal and then you go to overtime anyway. So that's the big change there. And of course, if you don't convert it, you're pretty much in this, you're in a little bit marginally better situation than if you miss the field goal. 
because of the fact that you move the ball back for the for, you know for the field goal attempt before giving it over. So that's the big difference is you're successful on the conversion. Your worst case scenario there is going to overtime, and it's a smaller slice there because there's going to be no time left on the clock. So even if you miss the, the kick going forward, you're in. And then if you just go ahead and kick it in the initially, you have a much bigger slice of going to overtime. And that's why it leans fairly strongly. I mean, it's not a huge difference here. We're talking about a 4% win probability gain in this circumstance for go ahead and going forward in that situation. Of course, if you fail, then you look you look bad and people don't think about how high of a percentage chance there really is for Dallas with two with almost two minutes remaining to go ahead with two timeouts, almost two minutes remaining to go ahead and come back and have enough time to get their field goal. The other two fourth down situations I want to talk about really quickly in this one are Decisions that the Cowboys made where I don't think people were understanding these also. First, uh, when they made the right decision that people were questioning, and that is fourth and seven from the 11-yard line, the Raiders' 11-yard line. They kicked the field goal, which put them down by eight. I'm sorry, which put them down by five. They were down by eight. It put them down by five. And people are saying, well, you know, it still is two two-score game. So I think I'm still, you still need another score, excuse me, still need another touchdown, which is true. But again, you have to value the fact that you're getting the, the two-point conversion off of it and the winning in overtime off of if you get another touchdown. In other words, in this circumstance, you could say, well, you're only down by five, so you still need another touchdown. But the reality is, you just need a touchdown to potentially win if you can hold the other team down, which, which they don't. You know, they give up another field goal. But if you can hold the other team down, you're down by five, you score a touchdown, you win. Boom. Now, down by eight, it's a huge difference than being down by eight because down by eight, you need a touchdown, okay? Then you need a two-point conversion, which is a 50-50 shot. Then you need a win in overtime as a 50-50 shot. So you're taking whatever your odds are and you're basically multiplying it by 0.5, multiplying it by 0.5, which is multiplying it by cutting your odds by three quarters, adding those two extra elements onto the equation there. So huge, huge, huge difference here. The field goal is very valuable to get down to five points. And of course, if they wouldn't have converted there, then they would have had no chance to really have kept in the game. For, for the rest of the game after that. Um, so it wasn't just holding off the inevitable. It wasn't just delaying your loss. It was a legitimate gain of win probability going for the field goal there because fourth and seven was a tough conversion. And also there were still four, 12 minutes left in the game, still a lot of time left in the game. It would be presumptuous to assume the other team is not going to score going forward also on this one. Um, okay, and then going down a bit further here, the next time, this is the this is another interesting one where no one was saying, hey, you should be going for it, fourth and seven um, on your own 28-yard line. But they should have going for it on their own 28-yard line, down fourth and seven, down eight points with only 7.20 left to go. Because in order for them to go to overtime, they really had to thread the needle here, if you think about it. If you're giving up the ball with seven minutes and 21 seconds left, you need a stop, a score, a two-point conversion. In this case, they give up a field goal. Another, so you need another field goal. So you need so in your, in your la, in the in the in the Cowboys' last two possessions, what they ended up needing when they kicked away this when they kicked away this punt, which again people would have gone batshit crazy if they 
had gone for it here. But this was an actual go-for-it situation. Same thing, fourth and seven, but with less time left on their side of the field. Um, but what you needed in this circumstance, because there wasn't enough time left, and the fact that the Raiders scored one field goal on their next uh, two possessions, what you needed was you needed at least you need at least one stop. So only give up a field goal in two possessions to the Raiders. You needed that. You needed a touchdown, a two point conversion, and a field goal yourself on your t- next two possessions. You needed all that, and then you needed to win in overtime. So you needed you know four, five, six different things to go right. They almost got them all to go right. The Cowboys. They even got the the coin right, the coin toss. They got the ball, but. They didn't get them all to go right, and they ended up losing in overtime. So that was it was a weird one with two fourth and sevens. One of them, they're on the Vegas 11-yard line with 12 minutes left to go. Everyone thinks they should go for it, but they really shouldn't have because of, because of the fact that you can get those three points. You have plenty of time left to bring it off of an eight-point game. The other one with seven minutes left on their own 28. No one thinks they should go for it, but they really should have gone for it in that circumstance. Plus, it's easier to convert. Fourth and seven is easier to convert from your own 28-yard line than it is from the 11-yard line when you're squished in there near the end zone. Uh, it's, 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 it's a higher conversion success rate probability there by about 10% higher success rate, uh, a chance of converting that fourth and seven, which is important and very material to these decisions. And again, there's all these different things you have to put through your mind. That's why having a model to help you figure out these things is so important versus trying to use the intuition that a coach would be using on these sorts of decisions okay before we get to the last game from thursday let me hit some uh, ads here this is man our friends at manscaped just launched the new product the ultra premium body wash and two-in-one shampoo conditioner give it to yourself or someone who needs it go to manscaped.com use promo code pff for 20 percent off and free shipping tis the season to load up on manscaped products so get yourself your dad your brother and friends the best gift at all manscaped performance package 4.0 20 percent off and free shipping with promo code pff at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com use promo code pff okay the last game here for thursday pretty uneventful uh buffalo at buffalo bills at new orleans saints seven point spread here to buffalo was it seven point spread to buffalo seems high uh let me let me just check my number sorry i just want to check to make sure i have the right number no i do have the right number so it was seven uh to buffalo and they win 31 to 6 my adjusted score is 37 to 8 so a little bit worse of a score here. The headline I have here for the game, the, the headline, the narrative is wipe out. My alternative headline is, yeah, that's pretty much what happened. Uh, but what I want to highlight here, and this is piggybacking on a discussion that I had earlier this week about Josh Allen, is our number of the game is 0.5, and that was the EPA per play for Josh Allen, which is a 90th percentile about a 93rd percentile outcome for a quarterback a really really strong number MVP type of game for Josh Allen in this one and that is despite the fact that he had two interceptions one of them where his arm was hit on it where he probably held the ball a little too long but his arm was hit so it's hard to give him a turnover worthy play on that one the other one may have even been a miscommunication with Diggs at least that's what Breeze 
guessed, Breeze, of course, doing the color commentating for this game, he was a guest that it, that could have been one of the explanations. He didn't say he thought it was. He said it could have been one of the explanations when he thought that Diggs was going to move inside, but then he moved outside on that interception. So even despite that, which holds down his EPA numbers, he still had a really, really strong number in this one. And this is against a top 10 type of pass defense. The Bills have been getting the ain't played nobody uh, critique after losing and, and looking poor in some games recently against the Jaguars and then against the Colts, of course, last week. But this is somebody they played with the Saints. We saw what the Saints had done to Tom Brady this year and others that they have been playing against. The top 10 defense against the dropback this season was top five last season. Allen finished the game with an 83 grade, completed 82% of his passes. And this goes back to what I talked about on Tuesday of the comparison of who is Allen. Is he closer to 2020 Allen or is he closer to pre-2020 Allen? So I think two good numbers that I didn't mention during that where I just compared their year-over-year stats and how it was so much closer, his aggregate numbers. But two good numbers to symbolize who Allen was as a quarterback prior to 2020 that show just how he's he's elevated into a different echelon of quarterback and he's maintained that this season that is he did not have in an NFL game through his first two seasons he never had 300 yards passing until 2020 okay he's done that four times this season in the games that he's played so he's not crushing it passing the ball but still something he never did in 2018 or 2019 he has it four times so far this season the other number is 60% completion percentage. Now, he never had a 60% or better completion percentage in any season his entire life before 2020. And he is at 67% completion percentage this season. Again, 82% in this game. So it shows you he is clearly, clearly, clearly still playing at that higher level. Maybe not second best quarterback in the NFL like he was in the MVP voting and he was second team all pro last year. Maybe not that level this season but nowhere close to what he was before. He's a guy who can win games for you and is looking very, very accurate. So the Saints are in trouble. As much as I love the Saints, this was a tough one to watch. I know it was against a great defense, against the best defense in the NFL so far this year, despite them getting run over, getting stomped by Jonathan Taylor and crew and Colts crew last week. So maybe we'll cut him a little slack, but this was a rough one to watch down in the, you know, fifth percentile type of outcome for that Saints offense. Will they turn to Taysom Hill, the $140 million man going forward? They might. I wouldn't mind a split approach between the two of them, depending upon down distance circumstance, all that sort of stuff. Uh, But it's going to be tough for them going forward. And I think the Bills are still the best team in the AFC. That's my takeaway from this. This would, I never wavered on believing that even after what we had seen recently so just more of a confirmation for me that even when some things go wrong Josh Allen can give you top top end performance and that's what differentiates them between the Bills teams that we'd seen in the past and why they are such a good team going forward okay let's um hit our last couple of sponsors here before I talk about my best bets for the weekend DraftKings that's a good one to have um so the sports book, if it's not available in your state, remember you can get everything, the NFL action with Daily Fantasy. This is the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet just $1 in any game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. 
They are the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem called 1-800-GAMBLER. And Western and Southern. Whether it's football success or financial savvy, the right questions help set the stage for winning strategies. Western and Southern is teaming up with PFF's very own Chris Collinsworth to share insights that can help put you ahead on both your fantasy and financial scoreboards. Want to hear about Chris's old playing days or behind the scenes with Al on Sunday Night Football? How about a need to know for your financial future? Now you can ask about either or both, and every football or financial question you ask earns you a chance to win a catered party for February's big game. Check out the Chris Collinsworth podcast and Western and Southern's Instagram for answers to the best questions each week. Submit your questions at westernandsouthern.com slash askchris. That's C-R-I-S, no H there. Uh, one more time, that is westernandsouthern.com slash askchris. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. Remember, with Western and Southern, you can rest assured on game day. Okay, let's get into the best bets here. This is a tough week, honestly, but I think I found some stuff here. And... You know, I'm going to lean on some teams that I consistently lean on, and I'm going to lean against some teams I consistently lean against. That's just the way it goes. I'm sorry. I don't hate your team. The numbers are making me do it, okay? Or I don't necessarily love the other team. The numbers are making me do it. I'm going to go by this. I'm going to go by the numbers. I'm going to go by what I have here. Okay. So the bestest, which is not really a word, bet of the week, and let me just I got to check because I wrote up this stuff yesterday. So I want to check to make sure all of this stuff is still available. Okay. Is plus seven, um, plus seven, the Titans. It looks like this has moved a little bit in some places. It's down to six and a half at DraftKings, five and a half at BetMGM, six and a half at FanDuel. But at PointsBet, you can get it for seven. At Bet365, you can get it for seven. So you can still get it for seven, although it was, it was, there were more sevens available uh, yesterday. So Tennessee plus seven in this one at New England Patriots. It's, it's, it's kind of a shocking numbers on this one. I mean, first of all, the look ahead on this one was, I want to say it was two and a half or something like that. And now it's up to seven. If we would have seen what would this number have been a few weeks ago, and I know Derrick Henry's gone, blah, blah, blah. This probably would have been Titans at Patriots, maybe favored by a point or two, possibly. Eh, maybe not, but who knows? It would have been something like that. Remember, the Patriots were struggling earlier this year. Uh, so this is a this is a huge, huge number here. And again, you know, I've been saying I'm kind of like fade the Patriots, and they've been fading me so far in recent weeks, but I'm going to stick to it on this one, because even though they had that huge, huge victory against the Falcons, so they have a little extra rest, which goes into my numbers on this, they had a huge, huge victory. Their offense, while good from a success rate perspective, was not really great overall. Just the opponent could do absolutely, absolutely nothing. Now, maybe that will also be the case with the Titans in this game. I can't say that it won't be the case uh, in this game, but seven points is just a ton, because if they win by three, if they win by six, if they win by seven, you're not getting a victory on any of those if you're uh, for the Patriots. So that's why I'm leaning towards, you know, you're going to need to lose by more than a touchdown in order to lose this game for Tennessee. And I think on a long enough timeline, they're going to start to figure things out offensively. And Tannehill had those seven turnover-worthy plays last week. He played well outside of that. And now that's kind of like, you know, Miss Lincoln, how was the the play other than outside of 
the assassination of Abraham Lincoln sort of thing. But he needs to, if he can keep those down a bit, which of course the Patriots defensive unit is a ball hawking type of unit. If he can just moderate those a bit, that gives him a good chance of staying within the number on this one. And the Titans defense is playing a little bit better too. Let's remember that. They played well. They they outgained the Texans by more than 200 yards in that game, despite the fact that they ended up losing. So that's best bet number one for me. Best bet number two. And this one, another one that it's one of the teams that I just can't seem to stop fading, and that is the Denver Broncos plus two and a half. You can get it plus two and a half. Let me check to make sure it's still here. It was plus two and a half plus 105 so you can get a little bit of juice on that at bet mgm let me see if that's still the case apologies for not looking this up this morning but you know morning after thanksgiving sort of thing here let me see yes you can still get it plus two and a half plus 105 at bet mgm so again get your juice on right there Unfortunately, no plus threes. That would be pretty nice. And it gets the Chargers, by the way. Sorry. So this is the Broncos at home. So you're getting two and a half points at home against the Chargers. You know, I like the Chargers. I've been defending Joe Lombardi here, but their defense stinks. And that's part of the problem here is that you have the Broncos coming off of a bye. They're at home. You got the elevation. You got a little bit of coldness starting to set in here in Denver. I don't think the weather's going to be that bad. I haven't really looked it up, honestly. But it's going to be L.A. coming there after Denver's just been sitting at home, you know, basking in the elevation for a while. You know, Denver's been a pretty good team. I don't know how else to really to really talk about it. I know no one wants to give them much credit this season, but Bridgewater has been okay this season. He's been, you know, a top half quarterback so far this year. According to my adjusted scores, they are averaging about being three points better than their opponents so far this season, whereas the Chargers are about even. They have had a much easier schedule than the Chargers, so that's part of it. But again, if you if you put those together, they're about even teams this season, and even teams, but yet Denver is a two-and-a-half-point underdog in this game. And that's really what it comes down to more than anything else. So that's the second one. And then my third one, this is kind of like a maybe. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say here, I'm going to admit that I'm not in love with this one, and that is the Seahawks plus one and a half, which you can get still at BetMGM. There are ones out there. There are also picks at a couple of places. There's also a pick at a couple of places. Now, it's not the most important number, but hey, sometimes they're one-point victories, right? So you can get plus one and a half at BetMGM. That's what I'm doing. The Seattle Seahawks plus one and a half at the Washington football team. I'm going to continue to say I think Russell Wilson is not a bad quarterback. <laughs> That's basically what it comes down to. I know he hasn't played well. I know there may be some finger issues, but he's not making excuses. You know, he says, I'm not making excuses. Well, when he, he, she doth, uh, I think she doth protest too much, right? Meaning he's making too big of a deal about not making excuses, which makes it sound like there is something to make an excuse about. But even if there is a finger issue, it should be getting better as the weeks progress, the football team has been doing excellently converting third and fourth downs offensively. They've been the best team in the league doing that the last two weeks after having been so, so poor before. I think that regresses a bit. Defensively, they have not been able to generate much pressure, which should be good for Russell Wilson. And 
just one of those plays where Washington's been a little bit of an uptick the last couple of games, but I don't, but they've had some lucky plays, which have pushed them there. And Seattle has just been, can't be lower. You can't be buying lower on the Seahawks right now, especially considering the fact that their defense has been okay. Their offense has been doing nothing, but their defense has been okay. So if you tell me you get Russell Wilson and you get a Seahawks defense playing fairly well, relatively well, you get all that against the Washington football team and you're getting points. That's too juicy of a combination to pass up. So then the Seahawks plus one and a half. So again, best bets this week, Tennessee Titans plus seven at the New England Patriots, the Denver Broncos plus two and a half plus 105 at MGM at home against the LA Chargers and the Seattle Seahawks plus one and a half at Washington Redskins. Thank you so much tuning in, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend, family, food, all that good stuff. And I'll be coming back at you with the reviews and adjusted scores and snarky commentary on what I'm seeing on Twitter. I'll be coming back at you with all that stuff on Tuesday. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you then. (laughs) 